Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Good morning, honoring an icon. Flags lowered at the White House overnight as the nation pauses to remember Senator Bob Dole, a decorated war hero who overcame debilitating wounds to become a defining voice in American politics for decades. A life dedicated to public service, the cause of veterans and the disabled, and devoted to his beloved wife Elizabeth. Their 46th wedding anniversary would have been today. We'll celebrate a remarkable life this morning. Signs of hope, the Omicron variant now in nearly 20 states. New testing rules enforced starting today at airports, but health officials voicing optimism. The signals are a bit encouraging regarding the severity. Just ahead, what's being learned about this new strain and the questions still being asked by scientists. Breaking overnight, no go. The Biden administration expected to announce a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympics. What that will mean for Team USA's host of athletes heading to the games. New details, the fugitive parents of the accused school shooter in Michigan speaking out at a court hearing in the wake of their arrest as school officials reveal more about the meeting they had with the family just hours before the massacre. The question now facing investigators, why was the alleged gunman allowed to go back into his classroom? All that plus walking with William. Inside the prince's stroll for a very special purpose and the sweet memories he shared about his mother along the way. And a night of stars. The Kennedy Center honors returns in all its glory just ahead. The celebration of this year's inductees and the lighthearted moment President Biden got to hit back at SNL's Lorne Michaels with the help of a comedy legend. Today, Monday, December 6th, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cuppy, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to Today. It's good to have you with us on a Monday morning. Yes, thanks for starting your week off with us. Hoda is enjoying some time off, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about, including, of course, the pandemic. Yeah, the Omicron variant has now been found in nearly a third of the states and overnight new rules took effect for all international passengers arriving to the U.S. We've got everything you need to know coming up. Meanwhile, there's breaking news this morning concerning the 2022 Winter Olympics. The Biden administration expected to announce a full diplomatic boycott of the games. We're going to get a live report from the White House. But we began this morning with the passing of Bob Dole. Tributes pouring in overnight, honoring the extraordinary life of the late senator who died Sunday at the age of 98. Flags at the White House, the Capitol building, and across the country flying at half-staff now. And this morning, we are looking back at the senator's unparalleled life of service. And we'll start this morning with NBC's chief Washington correspondent, Andrea Mitchell. Andrea, good morning. Good morning, Savannah. Bob Dole was a war hero who rose to the heights of power in the U.S. Senate. Though his family did not reveal a cause of death, the senator underwent treatment for lung cancer earlier this year. 
one of many battles this enduring American figure waged in his remarkable life. One of the greats of the greatest generation. We have lit liberty's torch with a glow that can truly light the world. That's what America's all about. Senator Bob Dole, remembered overnight by presidents, dignitaries, and the American people as a man devoted to service. President Biden honoring his former Senate colleague, writing, may our nation draw upon his legacy of decency, dignity, good humor, and patriotism for all time. Dole was elected to Congress in 1960, then to the Senate in 1968, where he served as the Republican leader for more than a decade. A tough political combatant who still always believed in working with Democrats for the public good. We were D's and R's, but we were also friends. Compromise, not a bad word. He ran for president three times, including an uphill challenge to Bill Clinton's second term in 1996. Tonight I stand before you, tested by adversity, made sensitive by hardship, a fighter by principle, and the most optimistic man in America. But a life in politics was not what Robert Joseph Dole initially set his sights on. Born in the small town of Russell, Kansas, the star high school athlete wanted to become a surgeon. But World War II took him to Italy with the Army's 10th Mountain Division, where on April 14, 1945, the Germans began firing on his platoon. Flying metal hit Dole's right shoulder and arm, breaking several bones in his neck and spine. He underwent seven operations over three years, losing a kidney and the use of his right arm. Life-changing injuries fueling his advocacy for Americans with disabilities. The disability community is not large, but it's important. Father to daughter Robin from his first marriage. In 1975, he married his beloved wife, Elizabeth, a devoted partner of 46 years in life, politics, and advocacy. Do you think she would have made a good president? Oh, yeah. And then I'd have gotten good food. <laughs> good food? Yeah, at the White House. The Dole's leading a fundraising campaign to build the World War II Memorial in Washington, honoring all those who served in a war that forever changed his life. His last public appearance, rising from his wheelchair to salute a fellow World War II veteran, friend and one-time political rival, former President George H.W. Bush. I did it, I guess, and because of my respect for my friend. George W. Bush writing of Dole, now we Bushes salute Bob and give thanks for his life of principled service. And former President Obama writing, his sharp wit was matched only by his integrity, the nation now mourning and celebrating a man who put country first. So I leave you all tonight with a full heart and a fervent prayer that we'll meet again. Senator Bob Dole was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, two Purple Hearts and a Bronze Star. Today would have been Elizabeth and Bob Dole's 46th wedding anniversary, Savannah. A tough day. Andrea, thank you. And for more perspective, we want to turn to presidential historian John Meacham. Hi, John. Good morning. Hey, Savannah. When I think about Senator Dole and his legacy, obviously you could think about political accomplishments, but for him, I think of a legacy of character, that that's truly what he will be remembered for. 
Yeah, the Greeks said it. It was character is destiny. Uh, his, his is the most American of stories. Uh, this Depression-era kid uh, comes out of uh, Kansas uh, in the last days of World War II. He's wounded in Italy. Uh, it was the weekend that America was mourning Franklin Roosevelt, was when young Bob Dole was, uh, suffered those grievous wounds. Uh, and the song, remember, that was so important to him that he played again and again was You'll Never Walk Alone as he fought back to rejoin uh, the mainstream. And I think part of what drove him was, despite his laconic, uh, uh, that great mordant wit, he didn't want anyone to actually feel as if they were walking alone. And you see this with kids who needed school lunches. You see it with veterans. You see it with veterans' families. It was a hallmark of his life. He was, of course, a fierce partisan, and he could do battle with the yeah. best of them, but he also wasn't afraid of compromise, and often did. He's not a perfect guy, and that's why he's interesting and illuminating for us, because it's not as though we're looking at some person we should put on a pedestal and stand back from. Bob Dole was the most approachable of figures, the most relatable of figures. Uh, when he uh, attacked uh, in 1976, uh, afterward, uh, in a political uh, debate, afterward he said, I went for the jugular. Unfortunately, it was my own. Uh, <laughs> he understood uh, that, uh, that politics was a rough contact sport, but he understood that politics has a purpose. It's not just about getting power and holding power. It's about using it. Someone said to me uh, yesterday upon hearing the news, one of the last honorables. And you know, you just think about these, th this generation of heroes that we've lost in the, in the last few years. What do you lose when you lose Bob Dole? Well, you begin to lose part of the, commu the living communal memory, right? I mean, the, one of the points of, uh, of elders uh, is to remind us of what we've gotten right and what we've gotten wrong. And, you know, uh, Moses said it uh, in his last song to the people of Israel. He said, remember the days of old, remember the years of many generations. And you want to look back in order to move forward. And Bob Dole really did embody sacrifice. Again, not perfect. But at the end of the day, he kept his eye on a common good and not simply personal gain. John, thank you very much, and we are going to have more on his life and his legacy throughout the morning, including a remarkable love story with his beloved wife, Elizabeth, and their joint impact in Washington, one of the original power couples. Yeah, it's really a remarkable life, defined by service. Uh, we turn now to the coronavirus and the fight against that new threat of Omicron. In an effort to limit the variant spread starting today, all international passengers arriving to the United States are facing new restrictions. This is more states report their first cases of the new mutation, while health officials investigate its potential severity and transmissibility. NBC's Tom Costello joins us from Dulles International Airport there in Virginia. Tom, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Craig. Listen, if you are traveling from overseas or a loved one is, you need to know the rules. You must test negative for COVID within 24 hours of departure from that foreign airport or you will not be allowed to board. Up until now, the requirement was three days before. Now it's one day before. Meanwhile, we have cases of Omicron popping up all across the country. 
The battle to stay ahead of the Omicron variant is intensifying this morning with new cases being detected in different states every day. We are every day hearing about more and more probable cases, so that number is likely to rise. Overnight, Louisiana joined at least 16 other states in reporting cases of the new mutation. While early data shows Omicron is spreading faster than Delta and may be more likely to cause reinfections, it appears to be less severe so far. The signals are a bit encouraging regarding the severity. But again, you got to hold judgment until we get more experience. Meanwhile, beginning today, tougher testing protocols for international air travelers. If you're returning to the U.S. from overseas, you'll now need a negative test within 24 hours of departure just to board your flight. Quick rapid antigen tests and the more expensive PCR tests will be accepted. But not all self-tests are eligible. For those to qualify, a telemedicine rep must witness your test. The new rules already creating challenges. There's just difficulty having the tests available, being able to process those tests, getting your results back in time, all of that, those just stack up on each other within a 24-hour period. Bruce Montgomery's family of four has been planning a Christmas trip to Ireland for more than a year. But with various connecting flights, he's concerned about the changing criteria. I don't want to be trapped in Heathrow Airport for a long period of time and then have to spend thousands of dollars to get home. Meanwhile, it is still the Delta variant that is driving the winter COVID surge. Over a seven-day period, the average now 106,000 new cases every day. On Friday alone, 1,492 people died. We have about 90 to 100,000 cases a day right now in the United States, and 99.9% .9 of them are the Delta variant. Nearly 1,500 people dying on Friday alone. It's a staggering number. Guys, I get a lot of emails and phone calls from Canadians, especially. What about us? If you're driving across the border, you do not need to test negative that, or test at all. That hasn't changed. Same thing coming across the Mexican border. One other piece of news, a cruise ship now back in New Orleans after 17 people on board tested positive for COVID. The cruise ship had left in late November, gone to Mexico, Belize, Honduras. Now back, again, 17 people on board that cruise ship testing positive for COVID. Craig, back to you. All right, Tom Costello for us there in Northern Virginia. Tom, thank you. Breaking overnight, NBC News has learned that the Biden administration is expected to announce this week a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympics. NBC's chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander has got the details on it. Peter, good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. These games are less than two months away. In the past, first ladies, even presidents, have led the U.S. delegation to the Olympics. But this move by the Biden administration will mean no U.S. government officials attend in protest of China's human rights abuses. American athletes, however, will still be allowed to compete. This morning, U.S. tensions with China rising. The Biden administration is expected to announce a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Winter Games in February. Chinese government officials warning in return that resolute countermeasures would be taken if the boycott goes forward. A senior administration official telling NBC News the announcement is expected to come this week. It's meant as a rebuke to China on the world stage, one the president hinted at last month. Sir, do you support a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympics? Something we're considering. President Biden has taken a less aggressive public tone with China than former President Trump, who regularly railed against the country while in office. 
But there has been significant pressure from lawmakers from both parties and activists to take a stand against China's poor human rights record toward the predominantly Muslim Uyghur population and aggressive behavior toward Hong Kong and Taiwan. The State Department has classified the country's actions against Uyghurs as genocide. The White House said President Biden confronted China's President Xi about human rights during their virtual summit last month. We have serious concerns about the human rights abuses we've seen. The last time the U.S. boycotted an Olympics was in 1980 under former President Jimmy Carter, protesting aggressions by the then Soviet Union. That boycott included athletes. This time the White House is aiming to diplomatically reject China, but to leave athletes free to attend. Some Republicans are calling on President Biden to announce a full boycott of the games. No athletes, no government officials, no corporate sponsors. The International Olympic Committee has said policing host countries' human rights records is outside its scope. The IOC president recently insisting the games should be respected as politically neutral ground. Savannah. All right, Peter Alexander at the White House. Much more to get to. Tom Yamas joins us. Hi, Tom. Morning. Hey, guys. Good morning to you. And we have more international news, right? The White House is closely monitoring a situation that's unfolding on the Ukrainian border this morning. The buildup of tens of thousands of Russian troops, and it'll be the major focus of a video call tomorrow between President Biden and Vladimir Putin. Today's senior international correspondent, Keir Simmons, has the latest. Keir, good morning. Tom, good morning to you. And amid those fears of a deadly conflict in Europe within months, reports in Russia this morning say that crucial conversation between President Biden and President Putin is set to take place tomorrow at 10 Eastern. Tens of thousands of Russian troops have deployed on its border with Ukraine, revealed in these satellite images. U.S. intelligence warning President Putin's military has drawn up plans to invade. What we see... Uh, is, uh, is heavy uh, weapons, uh, we see armored units, uh, we see uh, drones. A Kremlin official telling NBC News, I really hope it will not explode. Ukrainian forces have been fighting Russian-backed separatists since 2014 and are not taking any chances. President Biden will hold a virtual meeting with President Putin on Tuesday. The talks pivotal to preventing a war in Eastern Europe. We're going to have a long discussion. While multiple diplomatic sources in Russia and the West tell NBC News President Putin has not decided to invade Ukraine yet, but Russia has been proposing red lines, like no expansion of NATO. Do you accept Putin's red line on Ukraine? I don't accept anybody's red line. And President Biden is promising to make any invasion very difficult for President Putin. But, Tom, one European diplomatic source telling me, quote, Russia enjoys this. It distracts and destabilizes Washington. Tom? We're sure they do. The whole world is watching that border right now. All right, Keir, thank you. 7.18 now. Time for that first check of the weather. NBC meteorologist Bill Cairns in for Al, and we're looking at some severe weather down south. Yeah, December, right? I mean, what's going on? I mean, last night we had a tornado reported crossing the Ohio River in December, and we've had thunderstorms overnight, 5 a.m., my apologies, everyone in Nashville. These storms rolled through last night with a lot of lightning waking people up today. We have a small area from Alexandria to Jackson where we could get some isolated severe storms, so we're not quite done yet. And
And then the backside of the storm today is a very difficult travel day. If you're heading to the airports, Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, and later this evening, the New York airports all the way up through Boston and D.C. When this cold front goes through, those winds will gust, and that's where we'll get the airport delays. So some active weather for you as we start this Monday morning. And still to come, I'm going to talk snow. I'm not going to say it's going to snow, but I'm going to talk snow. I'll explain that coming up. <laughs> Thank you for the tease, Thank Bill. You, There's Bill. hope. <laughs> uh, still ahead, we are now learning a little bit more about that school shooting in Michigan in the wake of an intense manhunt and the arrests of the suspect's parents. This morning, new details on what led to their meeting at the school on the morning of the rampage and why school officials could also face charges. And then a favorite pastime of winter now in jeopardy inside the lack of snow. Bill Karens, is this what you're talking about? It's delaying the openings of some popular ski resorts. We'll tell you what's being done now to try and salvage the season. But first, this is today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Seven thirty now. Doesn't the tree look so pretty? Sixth of yes. December, twenty twenty-one. Nineteen days and counting until Christmas Day. The tree's shining bright. Hello from Tampa, Florida. <laughs> we see you. Yeah. <laughs> that sign's even brighter than the tree. I love it. Let's, yeah, I was gonna say the tree's got a retro feel this year. Yeah. I drove by. It almost felt like a time machine. Like it kind of takes you back to yeah. those old days. Yeah, in a, good way. in a good way. In a very good way. Yeah. Good memories. Let's get to 7:30 headlines. It could be a pivotal day in the Jesse Smollett trial. The actor is expected to take the stand in his own defense. Last week, two brothers testified that Smollett paid them to stage a racist and homophobic attack against him back in 2019. Smollett is accused of lying to police about it. If convicted, he faces up to three years in prison. Rescue crews in Indonesia are still searching for survivors this morning. Two days after a volcanic eruption, they killed 15 people and left dozens more missing. Mount Saramo spewed thick columns of ash more than 40,000 feet into the sky on Saturday. Rescuers are digging through the ash and debris this morning, looking for victims. Officials are urging residents to be vigilant because danger from that volcano, that volcano has not passed. And the Kennedy Center honors returned to tradition last night with an in-person gala for the first time in two years. Honorees included Saturday Night Live creator Lorne Michaels, actress and singer Bette Midler, Motown Records creator Barry Gordy, opera singer Justino Diaz, and folk music legend Joni Mitchell. Earlier Sunday, President Biden hosted a reception at the White House for those honorees. And Lord Michaels, Mr. Wise Guy over here. <laughs> he's, 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 he's trying out 
uh, seven guys to play me. Finally, it's my turn to say something about him. Well, we're waiting for it, but I guess we'll have to tune in for the joke. Yeah. But uh, anyways, the ceremony will be broadcast December 22nd on CBS. And a big shout out to our Lauren Michaels, yeah. NBC yeah. from the Mothership. It's exactly. great. Exactly. Meanwhile, new details are coming to light six days after that fatal shooting in Michigan. The accused, the parents of the accused teenage gunman are now in police custody following an intense manhunt. And this morning, we're learning more about their meeting with school officials on the morning of the attack. NBC's Megan Fitzgerald has been covering this story. She joins us from Michigan with the very latest on the investigation. Megan, good morning. Craig and Savannah, good morning to you. Uh, the parents of the suspected shooter have joined their son here at the Oakland County Jail. Their bond set at $500,000 cash each. Uh, now, the sheriff here says that the Crumbleys are in their own individual cells. They're segregated and they're being closely monitored. And this morning, as you mentioned, we are learning new details about what happened in the hours leading up to this attack. Troubling new details emerging about the hours leading up to last week's Oxford High School shooting in a letter released by the superintendent. The morning of the attack, a teacher discovering a concerning drawing by the suspect, 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly. The image so disturbing, prosecutors say she took a picture. Between the drawing of the gun and the bullet is a drawing of a person who appears to have been shot twice and bleeding. Below that figure is a drawing of a laughing emoji. The school says the incident was immediately reported to counselors. The suspect telling them the drawing was part of a video game he was designing. His parents called into the school for an emergency meeting where they were told to put the teen in counseling within 48 hours. School officials say the parents refused to take their son home. Counselors determining he wasn't a threat and sent him back to class. Hours later, the suspect is accused of opening fire, killing four classmates. Is it possible that school officials could face charges? It's, it's possible, yes. Over the weekend, the parents of the suspect, James and Jennifer Crumbly, captured after a more than 10-hour manhunt. The Oakland County prosecutor said the couple withdrew $4,000 from an ATM after charges were announced Friday. They're both charged with four counts each of involuntary manslaughter. Prosecutors saying they supplied the gun used in the attack. How are you pleading to count one? Not guilty. How are you pleading to count four? Not guilty. The couple was arrested inside a Detroit art studio early Saturday morning, where police say they were hiding out. Andre Sakura, the owner of the studio and a friend of the couple, now a person of interest, but his lawyer telling NBC News he did nothing wrong. He definitely didn't know that they were fugitives at that point. The minute he found out, he went to the Detroit Police Department and immediately wanted to give them information. On Sunday, the Detroit Lions paying tribute to Oxford, wearing a gold O on their helmets during their first win of the season. So, so Megan, uh, we just saw you asking the official there about the possibility of school officials facing charges. What do we know about exactly how investigators are going to determine whether that's something they pursue? Well, Craig, we know that investigators are going to be taking a close look, paying close attention to the interactions that this 15-year-old had with other students, other administrators, as well as teachers. Uh, we know they're going to be honing in to those critical hours leading up to this horrific tragedy to try and determine if charges are necessary here. Uh, meanwhile, important to note here that another victim has been released from the hospital. Right now, only one 17-year-old girl remains, Craig. Thoughts and prayers are with her and her family this morning. Megan Fitzgerald, Force there in Michigan. Megan, thank you.
All right, up next, we told you about this earlier, a bummer for ski bums all across the country. The season should be well underway, but at popular destinations across the West, it's been too warm even to make fake snow. No. What is a skier to do? <laughs> but first, these messages. We are back 749 this Monday morning with in-depth today and a real problem for anyone who loves to ski or snowboard. Yeah, as a growing number of ski resorts, especially out west, are being forced to delay their openings because of warm and dry weather. It's keeping the slopes nearly snowless. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin is in Lake Tahoe this morning with more on the trend that has skiers everywhere just praying for a cold snap. Hi, Aaron. Good morning. Good morning, guys. You know, normally I'd be standing on three feet of snow right now, but as you can see, there's nothing but dirt and dry grass in an area that should be a winter wonderland. The temperature is simply too warm for snow, and this ski season has gotten off to a rocky start. This morning on slopes across the West, it's a winter no-show. With little snow on the ground, ski resorts that usually open in time for the Thanksgiving holiday are still closed. Over the weekend, just over a third of the area's ski grounds were partially open. Around Lake Tahoe, where there are over a dozen resorts, just three have been able to operate their lifts. The patchy start to the season comes after October's early winter wallop. Snowstorms then left ski season hopes high and now dry. It's been really warm since then, so, you know, we haven't seen any natural snow. It's the same story in Colorado. Denver has now gone 228 consecutive days without any measurable snowfall. That's the longest snowless stretch since 1887. California ski regions are the site of a so-called weather inversion. The phenomenon causes warmer air, which typically sits at lower elevations to rise, making temperatures in the mountains warmer. It's kept Lake Tahoe's nighttime temps above freezing, meaning even man-made snow won't stick. I can't remember in the 16 years I've been forecasting here when we've had no snow on the ground and no snow on the trails either from man-made snow. While the dry weather is slumping the early ski season, it's also raising red flags about a worsening climate crisis. Like in the mountains of Hawaii, bracing for a blizzard. Pictures from NASA satellites also show a rapidly melting Sierra Nevada snowpack, a troubling sign for a region whose drying reservoirs are annually replenished by a slower snowmelt. A new study projects in 35 to 60 years, mountainous states throughout the West could go nearly snowless for years at a time. I think the tourist industry and the recreation industry uh, should absolutely be concerned. These effects are with us already and we need to learn how to deal with them. And guys, there is some hope. Temperatures are expected to drop later in the week. Some snow is in the forecast. And really, in this region, all it takes is a single storm capable of dumping feet of snow. And that's giving skiers some hope as we get closer to winter. Guys. All right, Aaron, thank you. What about the ski lodge, the Opry ski? Yeah. The hot <laughs> that's still, still there. Yeah. No snow for that. No so. shortages? 
She, she says no. Yeah. She, or she doesn't want to tell she me. She doesn't want to get busted. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so, so far, chicken tender shortage. I know. Maple syrup shortage. Christmas tree. Chip shortage. Yeah. For, for cars. Yes. Uh, and now snow shortage. Wow. There's a shortage of, of literally everything. I know. Yeah. Except for weathermen. Al's out. We, yeah. we are like, we have Bill. I mean, Al and I are like 5'8". So, I mean, yeah. you know, we're, uh, but yeah, we're desperate for snow. The snow lovers out there are just like, come on, just give us a little bit of snow. It's to the point where I have to show you snow video from Duluth, Minnesota. And by Duluth standards, this is like, eh, nothing. I mean, that's how bad it is. So let's get to the forecast. We were hopeful last week that we would start to get some snow in areas of the West. It's a start, especially around Yellowstone, but Colorado, there was a wildfire at 8,000 foot elevation outside of Denver yesterday. I mean, that's like unheard of for December. There's not a lot of snow in the West as we go throughout the next two days. There was some talk and hope that we'd get our first snow in even southern New England, and now that doesn't even look like it's going to be much. This is maybe an inch, and we will see some snowflakes in D.C. and New York on Wednesday, but for all the kids out there, it's the type of snow that falls like rain and melts as soon as it gets to the sidewalk. So, yes, I'd like my glass to be uh, half full but my snow is uh, half empty. And that's a look at your Monday forecast. All right, Bill, thank you. Just ahead here, ever wonder what it would be like to go for a walk and a chat with a royal? Oh, I wonder that every day, time. starting today. Well, you can, thanks to something new from Prince William and Apple. Why he's getting very personal about his own mental health and looking to help others one step at a time. We've got that story live from Kensington Palace right after this. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. We're back, 749 with Chanel and Prince William opening up like never before. Yes, and a special episode of Time to Walk. It's a series from Apple Fitness Plus. The Royal is sharing the importance of becoming mentally fit and what led him to make it a priority in his life. Yeah, NBC's Molly Hunter is at Kensington Palace with more on that story. Hey, Molly, good morning. Hey guys, good morning. Look, Prince William has been an advocate for taking care of your mental health for years. Now he's sharing some deeply personal stories and some solutions and ways to cope. Take a listen. We know mental health has been a taboo and a stigma for a long time all around the world, and it still is. This morning, Prince William is taking time to walk and inviting all of us along for the stroll too. We all want to stay fit. We all want to go for walks. We want to go to the gym. We like to keep active. The doctors tell us it's good for us. Well, no one says how good it is to keep mentally fit. It's so important. His Royal Highness is a guest on the Apple audio experience Time to Walk, speaking candidly about a dark moment several years ago while working as a pilot for the air ambulance service. There was a rescue operation of a young boy close to his son George's age. I felt like the whole world was dying. It's an extraordinary feeling. You just feel everyone's in pain. 
But in the lighter moments of today's podcast, he shares some of the songs his mother, Princess Diana, used to play to help with anxiety when they were younger. For years, mental health has been at the center of public work for the younger royals. Why has together and why mental health? Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. It's a common thread, wasn't it? And even though the brothers are now working separately across an ocean, Harry is also focused on mental health, hosting a town hall on Apple TV Plus with Oprah. There's more work to do, but something has really started to change. And no doubt listening to this country's future king speak intimately and frankly about his own struggles is helping to do just that. Now, both brothers have found a home at Apple. The company says they are donating to three charities of Prince William's choosing, including Crisis Text Line in the U.S., Shout here in the U.K., and Lifeline in Australia. I'll send it back to you guys. All right, Molly, thank you for that. Just ahead on Popstar, what's next for Spider-Man's Tom Holland? What the star is saying about his next big role that will have him showing off a very different set of moves. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.